Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is one question that Everyone asks themselves at some point or another in their lives. Uh, For some, it is a question we ask ourselves every day. And that question is, how can I be saved? I know what you're thinking. Naturally, no one asks that question because no one seeks God. But we do ask that question in general ways. We may not want the, <clears throat> want the solution that the Bible gives us, but we still ask that question. How can I be saved? How can I be saved from my parents when I bring home a bad report from school? How can I be saved from this bully that keeps pushing me? How can I be saved from my kids when they become teenagers and get into trouble? How can I be saved from getting into trouble myself? How can I be saved from poverty? How can I be saved from my own guilt? How can I be saved from disease and death? We spend our entire lives working hard trying to save ourselves from problems and suffering. Sometimes we solve those problems so well, we give ourselves the credit and we can easily import our pride into it like, Look at all that I have accomplished. And people naturally think this way of salvation. Work hard and achieve and you will be saved. The Apostle Paul was an example of this sort of pride. He speaks of his former life in Judaism before he was chased down and converted By Jesus Christ himself, he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. He was climbing up the ladder of Judaism and he thought this was the way to climb up the ladder to God. That God is going to be impressed with all that he accomplished, and that salvation would be granted to him because of what he has done. But then he says this, He who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. His way of thinking was totally transformed on that day. It wasn't his merits or his goodness that moved God to save him, but it was by God's grace. Grace is unmerited favor, meaning he didn't earn anything from God, 
He didn't earn God's favor. He didn't earn God's grace by what he did. Grace is unmerited favor. It didn't depend on what he did or didn't do. Paul did not deserve for God to reveal Jesus to him on the road to Damascus. If anything, Paul deserved death for persecuting the church of God when he was advancing in Judaism. Because you see, there are people today who seek God that is a God of their own making, an idol, a God that they have made up in their own minds, not the God of the Bible. And this goes for some Christians as well. Uh, Just because we say we believe in the God of of the Bible doesn't mean we actually believe in the God of the Bible. And these are religious people. And there are two types of religious people out there who are asking the question, how can I be saved? There are those like Paul who are workaholics and who pride themselves on all of the duties they have accomplished for their religion. And they believe they are climbing up a ladder of perfection which would earn them eternal life in the end. They treat God as someone that we can pay off or bribe with our goodness. Then there are religious people who are guilt-ridden. They feel extremely guilty for all the evil they have done in their lives. So they become religious as to appease God for all the wrong they have done. They commit one sin, so they come up with a list of good things to do to make up for it. This is what Martin Luther was subjected to, and what he opposed at the start of the Reformation, and this was the system of penance. It teaches you must make up for all the wrong you have done by replacing it with good deeds. But the problem with penance is that there is too much evil in us to be replaced with good. And, also, there is a misunderstanding of sin and how much we actually sin. Penance is an example of salvation by works. Salvation by works is another way of saying You have to to work or do good deeds to earn eternal salvation. One example that I always turn to to oppose this system of salvation by works is the famous story of what some call the thief on the cross. What work did he do to earn salvation? Nothing. He said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't have a chance to work for it. He died right there next to Jesus. He only believed. He only had faith. Did he deserve to be saved? No. No. He even said that he was hanging on the cross because he was receiving the due reward for his deeds. Jesus displayed God's grace toward this undeserving sinner. And in case you're not convinced, 
that there must be a work to be done in order to be saved. And there were those in Jesus' day that asked him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What was Jesus' response? This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he, that is the Father, has sent. Paul wrote this letter to Christian Gentiles, that is, non-Jews in Ephesus. And he is telling them how one is saved. So first, he wrote this letter to remind them of God's grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. God the Father has given us his Son, and in him we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And God decided this in eternity as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Imagine that. Before we were born. Before the earth was even created. God's grace was in display in his gracious decree. But for what? For what? That we would obtain this inheritance sealed to us by the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee that we will one day possess salvation. And this salvation was made a reality in time when Jesus took on flesh. He lived a perfect life and died as a perfect sacrifice and was raised by God's power. And not only that, he subjected all things under Christ's feet. And it is from this rock-solid truth that He makes us alive in Him. So Paul wants to communicate to the Ephesians how we are saved and how we are not saved. So first, salvation is by grace. Secondly, salvation is a gift. And thirdly, salvation is not of works. So first, salvation is by grace. Why? Why? Well, earlier in chapter 2, he says of these Gentiles, And you were dead in the trespasses, trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And in case you're thinking he's, he was only speaking about them, he says immediately after, Among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He he is laying down the foundation of his argument to say, all of mankind, every person on the planet that has ever lived, except for one man, is lost and dead in their sins. And if you are dead in your sins, then you cannot make yourself alive. If you're dead, you're dead. Which means there is no life at all. You can't make yourself alive if you're dead. In other words, he is saying that you can do nothing to contribute to your spiritual life whatsoever. If you're dead. And if you're now a Christian. And you have faith in Jesus Christ. It is all by grace. 
You're in God's favor, not because of anything you have done. If you have sinned against him, there is nothing you can do to earn his favor. Nothing at all. It says, but, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. With, with Christ. Which means, by grace you have been saved. That's what he is getting at here. Now, over the centuries, uh, many have interpreted saved by grace to mean that you have an experience of grace. And if you respond to that experience of grace, then it will later save you. That experience will save you. Like when Paul speaks of the grace that was given to him to accomplish a task. Grace in that context speaks of God enabling him or giving him power to minister. So some have interpreted this passage to say something along the same lines that God has given us this spiritual experience, this power, this grace to save ourselves. And now we must work out grace in our lives in order to be saved. So to many, there is a chance that we have been given grace and yet, in the end, still not be saved. If we don't reach the level of perfecting grace in our lives, then we will not be saved in the future judgment. I don't agree with that interpretation. The word grace must be interpreted depending on the context. And I would argue that grace here is not a personal spiritual experience. It is beyond our experience. It comes from God. God has given us all these things. Spiritual blessing, forgiveness of sins, freedom from sin, mercy, all by grace. If grace is dependent on whether or not I put grace to work in my life, then it is not grace. It is not grace. If you're still not convinced, let us think of a few individuals who were saved by grace, who if they were around today, we would probably question whether or not they were saved at all. Let's think of a few. Samson, saved by grace. Jonah, Saved by grace. King David. Saved by grace. We know what he did. King Solomon. Saved by grace. All of these men died with sin in their lives. If you're saying to yourself, well, there's no evidence to say that these men were actually saved in the end. I'll give you that. Even though there is. I give you that. But let, well, how about this other name? Moses, saved by grace. Moses, who wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. Moses, who the warning that says, they shall not enter my rest, applied to him because of his sin. Not because he was just stubborn, as if stubbornness is not a sin. Stubbornness is pride, right? 
Because of his sin, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land, the physical promised land. Yet, yet, he was saved by grace. And he was allowed to enter the true promised land by grace. And it was confirmed when he appeared before the Lord speaking to him, when the Lord was transfigured, as we covered last week, before Peter, James, and John. All of God's people are saved by grace. Not by anything we have done. Not by anything we have lacked to do. With that said, I am in no way trying to justify sin. But sin is a reality in all of our lives. And if we are not confronting and confessing it truthfully, then we'll never know what it means to be saved by grace. And on top of that, the truth is not in us, as John would say. Because God's grace is greater than our sin. To say that to be saved by grace is not secure until the judgment day is to go against this text. Because here, saved is in the past tense, which means it is secure. Because of the God who accomplishes your salvation, not because of you. It is secure because of what Christ has already done for you. He overlooks or passes over and forgives your sins for the sake of Jesus Christ. Just as he overlooked the sins of Israel during the Passover, when their doorposts and the lintel of their their houses were marked by the blood of the Lamb. So this so compels me, as many of my Baptist brothers and sisters who say, once saved, always saved. Because it is by grace. It is not up to you. But it is up to God and His grace. The question you're probably asking yourself is, saved from what? From what I've already said, we can say that we are saved from ourselves. We are saved from our sin. But we are not only saved from our sin, but we are also saved from the consequences of sin. And and that is death. We are saved from death, both physical as well as spiritual. In In other words, we are saved from the punishment that we all deserve because of our sin. We would all like to be saved from the problems of the world... But, but the problems of this world are very small in comparison to what we deserve from God's hand. We ought to be more concerned with the wrath of God than we would be uh, with the wrath of our parents. Or whether or not someone is going to try to hurt us. Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is that? God. So ultimately, what what we are saved from, we are saved from God. We are saved from God. We are saved from the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins, past, present, and future. God is the one who is able to kill both body and soul in hell. Not the devil, nor the angels, nor men. We are saved from God 
and his anger toward sinners. So that now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now the question you're probably still having is, well, do we do anything? Is there anything that we do? If grace is not an experience, where does our experience of salvation come in? Well, we should first ask, who is Paul speaking to here? Well, is he speaking to unbelievers? Well, no. He is speaking to Christians. And who are Christians? Christians are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are those who have faith. This is where your experience comes in. This is where you, quote-unquote, do something. What are you to do in order to be saved? Believe. What is the work of God? To believe. Believe in the one whom God has sent. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Well, what is faith? What is faith? Well, faith, we know, has an object. What is the object of the Christian faith? Jesus Christ. According to our larger catechism, it says that justifying faith is an assent or an agreement with the truth of the gospel, meaning you agree that the gospel is true. Uh, This this is good for the membership class later. Uh, You need to know this. You agree that the gospel is true. Not only that, but also faith is receiving and resting upon Christ and his righteousness for the pardon of sin and for the accepting and accounting of himself righteous in the sight of God for salvation. We cannot stand in God's presence with nothing of our own. We cannot stand with anything to present of our own except for the righteousness of Jesus Christ as the grounds of our salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. In the Shorter Catechism, it says that faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation as He is offered to us in the Gospel. I remember in seminary, I'm not going to say any names, but someone said that, um, speaking of the thief on the cross, that faith, his faith, was a good work. No. Faith isn't a work. Faith is not a good work. Faith, as Martin Luther has said, is not active. It's passive. Right? It is passive. It is receiving and resting in Jesus Christ with open and empty hands. With nothing to offer back. Nothing to offer back. Now, we're not talking about fruits and evidences here. Okay? We're we're speaking of what we present to God. We're speaking of how we stand in the judgment. Nothing. Faith is an instrument of salvation. That's why it is through faith. Through faith. We're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace. God's grace coming from God. And it is through faith. 
as an instrument. And here, God cannot have faith for us. We are called to believe. The gospel begs a response. The gospel begs a response. You must respond to the gospel. And we all do respond to Jesus in some way. We either reject him or we receive him by faith. And if we don't receive him by faith, we don't receive him. If works are the grounds anywhere in our faith, we haven't received Jesus. Let us not be fooled. We haven't received him if it hasn't been totally by faith. Secondly, we know we are called to, quote unquote, do something, and that is to place our faith in Jesus. But before we boast of our own faith and how strong it is, it says, and this is not your own doing. Then who's doing it? It is from God, beginning to end. It is God. The fact that you are saved by grace, excuse me, and the fact that you have faith is not a result of anything you have done. Salvation and faith are alien to people. People are not just born with it. A lot of people say, oh, well, we we all have faith. No, we don't. People are not born with faith. Okay? Uh, Unless that is the work and purpose of the Holy Spirit, like in John the Baptist. We're, We're not born with faith by nature. They are alien to sinful humanity. Salvation and faith are outside of us and must be given to us. It doesn't come up naturally within human beings. This is why we cannot save ourselves. That is the point that Paul has been driving home. Every other religious system on the planet is driven by human effort and humans working to get to a higher spiritual world someday when they die. But we can't. We can't. According to scriptures, humans are totally incapable of finding the way of salvation without a Savior who has come to seek and to save the lost. Salvation is not our own doing. We are all born in a miserable state. As the psalmist King David says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That is the condition of all of mankind, you and I included. And for that reason, because of our sin, the only reward that we are to receive for what we have done is death. As Paul would say in his letter to the Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a gift. The only thing we deserve, even by our good works, even our good works in the Christian life, the only thing we deserve for them is death. Is death. Salvation by grace, through faith, is a gift of God. And gifts are secure, aren't they? Gifts are sure. Gifts are not wavering depending on the one who receives the gift. But they depend 
on the giver who gives the gift. The giver decides when and in what manner the receiver receives the gift. Again, this is why in my membership class, I don't put up an age requirement. Because the gift is not dependent on me. It's not even dependent on the parents. It depends on the giver who gives the gift. Whether or not they come to show that they've never been given the gift is not up to us. That's not up to us. We can't control that. All the receiver has to do is receive. That is where our faith comes in. But it's funny because human nature tends to squirm at the idea that we can receive a gift without doing something in return uh, to make us right with that person. Right? Not so much out of gratitude, but just, just to make ourselves even. We try to get even. How, how many of us receive a gift and how long does it take before we begin to think of all the ways that we can repay them for it beyond a simple thank you? You kind of want to get even because in your mind, you owe something to that person that has given you a gift. And you don't want to live in debt to that person, right? But you're missing the point. That it is a free gift. It is a free gift. Your debt to God in Jesus Christ has been cleared. You don't owe him in the sense that you can pay him back for your sins or for your salvation. There is no sacrifice good enough that you can make that will clear your debt to God. None whatsoever. It has been cleared by Jesus Christ. And so there is no way that you can pay him back for the mighty work He has done in saving you by His grace. Why? Because this gift of salvation is supernatural. It is beyond you. It is beyond me. It is beyond all of us. And yes, Paul does say that when we are saved, we might no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who for our sake died and was raised. But that is out of gratitude. That is out of gratitude. There is nothing that we can ever do that will be on the same level as what Jesus Christ has done for us and in us. Never. We'll never reach that standard. What we do in the Christian life is all out of gratitude. We're not trying to earn anything. So this just means, thirdly, that our salvation, if you haven't gotten it by now, is not of works. It is not of works. Now, for background, there was a dilemma during the time of the apostolic church. And it was because the people of God were no longer considered as ethnic Israel. There was still a a physical church with physical bodies But the people of God were no longer recognized ethnically. Jews and Gentiles were considered the people of God in Christ Jesus. And the church is now known to be the true Israel. 
We are, we are true Israel. The church is true Israel. Okay? You don't have to be a certain ethnicity to be welcomed and walk through those doors. That is gone. Now the dilemma arises when there were Jews seeking to impose the practice of circumcision or the ceremonial law on the whole church. But the ceremonial law has been done away with as a requirement. Now I say this because many people come to this text and say, well, salvation is not of works. And they interpret this to say that the works he is speaking of is only speaking of the ceremonial law, circumcision. That works here is only the active doing of the ceremonial law, the, the, the things done with our hands, specifically circumcision. Does it have the ceremonial law in view? Yes, it does. But the word works here has an entire meaning, right? There's a whole meaning to the word works. The entire meaning of the word has in view the entire law of God, not just circumcision, okay? Not just the ceremonial law. This is speaking of the entire law of God. The word used for works can be translated as anything done by the hands. It is an active doing, right? It is speaking of any work done, including obedience to the Mosaic law of God, the Ten Commandments. Your obedience will not save you. It will not save you. When I said that Christians do something, remember, our faith, as we are saved by grace through faith, faith is not active. Faith is passive. Faith is resting in and receiving Christ. Works is anything we do actively. Come to church, give offering, singing, praises, preaching, whatever it is. Anything we do actively will not save us. Partaking of the Lord's Supper, baptism, they are means of grace, right? They're instruments, vessels of grace, where God's grace is displayed, but they in themselves will not save us. Us doing them will not save us. This was the problem during the Reformation that Luther and all the rest of the reformers were trying to answer. Now faith leads to works, meaning faith works, meaning faith leads to good works. It is a fruit and an evidence of faith. But faith is always passive. We are not saved by what we do actively at all. Nothing. There is nothing we can do to save us but believe. What we do actively is a fruit of our faith, but it will not save us. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, meaning we were saved before we did anything. We were saved before we did anything. I know many people want to move on to verse 10 right now, but I'm not going there. I'm not going to verse 10. Let's focus on verse 9. If we don't have verse 9 down, we're lost. We're lost. 
Forget your works or anything you do as a Christian. Going to church, giving to the poor, etc., etc. Forget it for now. Know this first, how one is saved. We need to be reminded of this. Even mature Christians. Repetition is a good thing. Because so easily we stray. So easily. Like I say over and over, on Monday mornings, we, we just veer off. And we forget God's grace. Because there is a reason why Paul says this. He says the reason why we are not saved by anything we do is so that no one may boast. If you could save yourself, glory belongs to you rather than God. That is the fifth sola. I haven't gotten there yet. I could have used this passage for all five. Uh, maybe. No, except for the scripture one. But for the, for the remaining four. But I, I didn't for your sake. If you could save yourself, glory belongs to you rather than God. But God saves us totally from beginning to end. He even grants us the good works to do. As it says in verse 10, it has been prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. The scriptures, the scriptures speak of God granting us repentance. So even our repentance, we can't even take credit for. It is all God. Oh God, but I repented. No, you can't even say that. You can't even say that. We go before God with empty hands. Nothing but the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans, For God has consigned all to disobedience. Not some, all, that he may have mercy on all. So the glory belongs to him, not to man. Not to man. You can be obedient in all good works, in all of the law, in every way. And if you miss a hair, a little white lie, you have been consigned to disobedience. And there is no way out of it. There is no way out of it. You, you are under condemnation. You are in judgment. Except for the grace of God. And that is the point. That is the point. That the entire letter of Romans is trying to make. When Paul writes to the Romans. That's the point. He consigned everyone to disobedience. So he chooses what to do with them. That is what the law reveals to us, that we are sinners, incapable of living up to it in ourselves. And even as Christians, we only begin to obey a tiny bit. A tiny bit, as the confession says. It's only the beginnings of obedience. So that our obedience will never save us. Paul says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the question for all of us, do you fall under one of those categories that I spoke of earlier, of religious people? First, is your boast found in what you do? Are you a workaholic? Do you believe that your salvation is found in how much zeal you have or how much work you do? We can have zeal for all the wrong reasons. We can have zeal because we're just trying to prove something to other people. 
Where is your faith founded? Is it founded in the finished work of Christ alone? In that sense, salvation is by works. It is by the works of Christ. Is that where your faith is found? Or secondly, are you guilt-ridden? Are you trying so hard to please God because there has been so much sin in your life and you feel the weight of all that you have done wrong? Are you trying hard, working to be saved and never seeing any progress? Remember, salvation is not your own doing. It is by grace through faith. And that is for Christians too. For us too. Day to day. We need to be reminded of this. Who feel the burden of their current sin. This is the message for us all. If you have fallen into sin. And you question your salvation. Remember. The work of God is to believe in him whom the father has sent. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Not because of your good deeds. Not because of anything you have done. Not because you are good in yourself. Or because you have done anything that makes you worth saving. But because of God. And his grace. And mercy. So that all glory. Belongs to God. For our salvation. Amen. Let us pray.